Well, hey, welcome to Mosaic. If you don't already know, uh, my name's Aaron. I'm the lead pastor of Mosaic. And if you're visiting us for the first time, this morning is a bit of a different week. Um, we're doing something that's not really normal for us. For the last six weeks, we've been uh, going through our first teaching series as a, as a new church called Status. And we've been talking about relationships. We've been talking about uh, dating and singlehood and marriage and family. Um, and this morning, what we did is we opened it up um, for questions and had people submitting questions online um, and wanted to devote a full Sunday to just uh, beginning to address those questions. Um, and part of the reason we do that, by the way, um, is because we really believe that you know, being a part of a faith community uh, is really only helpful insofar as it connects to real life. Um, and so, you know, we serve a very real God who is actively involved in the lives of real people. And he has given us a very practical uh, guide in the Bible uh, for real life. So we want, you know, as we continue in this journey uh, as a church and continue forward, uh, we want what's going on in the lives of everybody who's a part of this community to shape uh, what we're doing and what we're talking about uh, on Sunday morning. So that's, um, that's what we're doing this morning is basically answering questions. And we had some great questions uh, some great questions submitted, so I'm excited to jump in. We're not going to get to all of them, but we'll get to as many as we can. So, with that being said, uh, let's go. All right, so question number one. Is it okay to engage in oral sex? Is it okay to engage in oral sex? No, I'm just kidding. That wasn't submitted. Uh, just making sure you're with me. You thought I was going there, didn't you? All right. Maybe next time, it's, if it's submitted, we'll, we'll go there. All right. Question number one. Question number one. Uh, I've been in a relationship with a guy I really care about uh, for a while now. And uh, we recently started talking about our faith and boundaries in our relationship. And I'm wondering how far is too far physically? How far is too far physically? Um, Great question. Great question. Um, And let me just start by saying that uh, if you have to ask this question, you're probably already there. (laughs) You've probably already gone too far. Um, this is one of those questions that tends to be asked when we want permission to do something we know we probably shouldn't, um, or we want to know how guilty we should feel for what we're already doing. Uh, maybe that's not where you're at. Maybe you are totally honoring God in your relationship with your significant other, and things are just awesome. But I know when I was asking this question, um, and when my peers were asking this question, and as I've seen it uh, just kind of over the years, uh, that's usually what, what's going on. So before I jump in, if we were sitting down and having coffee, um, I would probably kind of turn the question around, um, and I would ask you to kind of look at, you know, what, what's, really the focus, what's really the focus of this question? Because um, as you look at the question, uh, the focus is really on the sin, right? The focus is, uh, where's the line? At what point am I really going to take God off uh, so I can get as close to that as possible? Um, rather than how do we honor God, how do we worship God in our relationship um, how do we serve him together? It's like, okay, where's the line so I can get as close to that as possible? Um, so if we were having coffee, you know, I'd ask you, you know, what's the ultimate goal here? Is it, is it to honor God? Is it to, is it to worship him and to honor him with your relationship? Or is the goal to get out of this relationship and from this person as much as possible without enticing all of God's wrath? Uh, because whichever goal it is is going to lead you to two very different places. It's going to take you in two very different directions. So that's first what I would ask you if we were having coffee together. Um, but it's a good question. Um, so in answering it, uh, you know, when we started this series, we talked about just the whole system of dating and marriage, and we talked about the fact that most marriages don't make it. Uh, most marriages end long before, uh, till death do us part. 
Um, so the system is kind of broken, right? The system that, we, that is normal, that we see all around us, is creating marriages that don't last. Uh, so it's time for a new approach, uh, approach. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we are called to a very different way of approaching it. Uh, Romans 12.2 says this. Romans 12.2 says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Right? Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Right? Just because we see it modeled all around us, uh, just because it might be very, very normal, uh, doesn't mean that it's God's best for us. doesn't mean that it's even helpful. Um, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. By changing the way you think. Okay, so I want to play a little game together this morning. Um, it's called the Appropriate Inappropriate Game. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a scenario, uh, and then together we're, we're going to say one, two, three, and you're going to either give me a thumbs up and say appropriate, or you're going to give me a thumbs down and say inappropriate, all right? So let's practice that. Ready? Just say appropriate. One, two, three, appropriate. Okay. Okay. So here's the scenario, all right? Uh, let's just say my wife is out of town. Megan's out. She's gone, taking the kids with her, and uh, on a given Sunday morning, uh, we have our, our worship gathering, and uh, after the worship gathering, I'm standing up here meeting people, and this girl comes up to me, and she says, you are the hottest pastor ever. <laughs> if there was a pastor's calendar, you would be January. <laughs> Your message this morning moved me in ways I've never been moved before. It touched me. Um, I laughed. I cried. I lost 10 pounds. It changed my life. <laughs> You're incredible. You're, you're such a great leader. You're so creative. Uh, so strategic. I love your messages. Uh, if there's anything I can ever do, wink, wink, uh, let me know. All right. So, uh, you know, so I was like, hey, thank you. You know, you, uh, you're not so bad yourself. Uh, you're a pretty attractive young lady. You know, my, my wife's out of town. And, uh, you know, in the fall, I'm going to be doing a series on sexuality. And so if you want to come over tonight and help me prepare, that'd be all right. So she comes over, you know, and I bust out my, my A game. I'm dropping my best pastor's pickup lines, you know. Um, like, you know, I've, I've never believed in predestination until this night. You know, I would, I would leave 99 sheep to come find you any day. You know, or my personal favorite, do you need prayer? Because I'd be more than willing to lay hands on you, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and so anyway, so we jump in. We, she's like, okay, sounds great. And we jump in. We have sex. Uh, my wife's out of town. Me and this girl, we have sex. Would you say, okay, vote together uh, on the count of three, appropriate or inappropriate? One, two, three. Inappropriate. inappropriate. Okay, okay. So we're pretty much everybody agreed that is inappropriate. Okay, so let's say this. Let's say she comes over. Um, and we don't have sex, but we just kind of do everything but that, right? Okay, we get out the board games, we play some naked twister, you know, <laughs> left hand blue, right hand green, you know what I'm talking about? Um, and we just start going at it, you know, we're not having sex though, we're just kind of doing everything but, fooling around. Um, would you say together, inappropriate or appropriate? One, two, three, inappropriate, okay, tough crowd. Okay, so let's say this, let's say she comes over. And uh, we don't really get that physical. You know, we're just kind of making out. Um, you know, we throw in a Matthew McConaughey movie. Uh, we're cuddling on the couch and uh, just, you know, doing some tonsil hockey, very passionate kissing. Would you say that's appropriate or inappropriate? Inappropriate? Okay, you guys are tough. Pretty much everybody, again, said inappropriate. Okay, let's say this. Let's say it's not really that physical at all. It's just an emotional thing. Uh, we connect... 
I confide in her, share things with her that I don't share with Megan, talk to her about my relationship with Megan, tell her that I love her, uh, just think about her all the time. Would you say that's appropriate or inappropriate? Inappropriate, okay. Again, most everybody sounds like uh, inappropriate. So my question for you would be, first question would be, why is that appropriate or inappropriate? All right, it's not a true question. Perhaps you'd say something like, she's not your wife, man. You know, back off. She's not your wife. Uh, you're not married to her. Uh, so that's inappropriate. That would be a very good answer. All right, so then my next question would be, if that's inappropriate for me uh, to engage in outside the context of marriage, what would make that appropriate uh, for dating singles to engage in outside of marriage? All right, have you ever thought about it that way? Have you ever thought about it that way? Um, do not do not pursue the customs and standards of this world, right? Uh, let God change the way you think. If it's inappropriate for me to engage in sex with this gal who's not my wife, uh, to cuddle with her, to fool around, to give my heart away to her, you know, as dating couples often do, and say, I love you, I love you. Oh, th- this isn't working out. Okay, no, I love you, I love you. Oh, I didn't mean that? This isn't working. Okay, I didn't mean that. I really love you. Uh, what would make that... Uh, completely appropriate. And now, now some of you would say, I, I, here's what I don't want you to hear. I don't want you to hear, you know, well, Aaron said I can't cuddle and kiss my boyfriend or my girlfriend. That's not exactly what I said, but I did challenge the way that you think about it. Hebrews 13.4 says this. It says, marriage should be honored by all. All right? Marriage should be honored by all. And the marriage bed should be kept holy. So if marriage should be honored by all, you think married couples should honor marriage? Yeah? If marriage should be honored by all, do you think single people should also honor marriage? Yeah, I think so. Uh, so how far is too far? The question. Uh, I think anything uh, that even begins to question whether or not we're honoring marriage anymore, anything that uh, is not keeping the marriage bed holy, uh, is definitely way too far. It's clearly too far. Um, if you're dating, right, chances are very good that the person you're with is not who you're going to end up with, which means it's a very good chance that that person is someday going to be married to somebody else. That's somebody else's future spouse. And I think in dating we need to treat them that way because they're not ours. They're not ours. So how far is too far? I'm going to leave that in your court. Uh, but I would challenge you to change the way you think about it. All right? Um, all right, so question number two. Question number two. Uh, how do you know if you are placing more emphasis on a friend of the opposite sex uh, that isn't your spouse? How do you know if you're placing more emphasis on a friend of the opposite sex, uh, opposite sex than your spouse? Um, this is a, a really good question, and, uh, and it's one that kind of strikes home for me. Um, it's, it's weird, you know, as a pastor, uh, the standard... As far as, like, morally, what you're doing is higher, you know? I think, like, we kind of all intrinsically know that. Uh, If you see me engaging in kind of shady activity, there's a problem there. Uh, And I think we all notice that, and we know that. Um, But it's so weird. You know, in in pastoral ministry, vocational ministry, it's amazing um, how many friendships with the opposite sex go bad and how many pastors end up making very poor, uh, very poor decisions. Um... More than you think, and it's, and it's so bizarre, too, not just because the standard is higher, but, you know, when you're in vocational ministry and a friendship develops into more than a friendship and an affair 
an inappropriate sexual relationship ends up happening. Um, the fallout is actually worse uh, than your average person because um, not only do you lose your ministry, uh, not only do you often lose your family, um, you, you, know, you lose your job, you, have, you can have a very hard time being employable anymore, um, and oftentimes you lose like, the circles that you run with, so like your friends, uh, the people that you're raising your kids with, um, because oftentimes you have to step out of that church community as a part of the restoration process, or if there's no restoration, you're definitely stepping out of that community. So it's so weird because the fallout uh, is, so, is so drastic, it's so extreme, and yet it happens over and over and over again, uh, which I think is testimony to just how dangerous friendships with the opposite sex when you're married uh, can be. Um, one, one of my mentors in high school, he was, uh, he was a very dynamic youth minister. And um, he had the, um, I mean, he was, he was the, he had the ministry where, like, everybody was coming, um, you know, it was blowing up. Uh, other youth ministers and churches were, were sending their people to come learn from this guy, you know, and he was showing them how it was done. Uh, tons of kids were coming to know Christ for the first time. A lot of really good things happening. Great volunteer staff. Uh, I mean, just dynamite. Um, and everything on the outside looked really good. And he, you know, I was on uh, one of his student leadership teams and spent a fair amount of time with his family and knew him and his wife and their kids. Um, you know, but one thing led to another, and once you know, it's a story that we've all heard way too many times. Uh, he ended up having an affair. Uh, had a relationship that was appropriate, turned inappropriate uh, with a gal, ended up eventually leaving uh, the ministry, leaving his family. Um, and, you know, I'm a young guy, right? I'm a young pastor, and I know this story. I know way too many people personally uh, who this has happened to. And um, so you're going to have to forgive me when it comes to this particular issue. Like, it really strikes home for me. Um, and I'm probably more on the, the radically careful side, I think, when it comes to having friendships outside of marriage with the opposite sex because I've seen it happen. I've seen things bad happen way too many times, and I've seen too many marriages and ministries fall apart as a result. Um, so what I want to give you is just basically so, like some guiding principles um, and you can feel free to agree or disagree with me, but this is, this is where I'm at anyway. Um, Ephesians 5, Paul's words in Ephesians 5 are so good. He says this, he says, uh, Now as, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Submit to one another. This is verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So marriage is about submitting to one another, right? It's, it's about being on the same page. It's about laying down what we want uh, to make sure that we're united on this. So, you know, one, it's so important that you and your spouse are on the same page uh, regarding your friends. They need to know about them. Uh, they need to know about the friendships that you do have and be completely comfortable with that. You have to be on the same page. If your spouse has any hesitations about a guy or a gal, the opposite sex, uh, that you're friends with, you're not friends with them anymore. You know what I'm saying? Um, Megan, uh, every now and then, this doesn't happen very often, but every now and then, uh, she'll pull me aside and she'll say, I do not feel comfortable about your relationship with that person. There's something about that gal, the way she looks at you, the way she talks about you or talks with you, that makes me very uncomfortable. I don't trust her. It doesn't happen very often, but when she says that, I avoid that girl like the plague. You know what I mean? Like that relationship is over. Um, and unless I absolutely have to uh, you know, email or correspond with her, with her. Like, Megan has access to all that. 
You know, she has the password to my email. Uh, she has my phone. Like, she can read any text. She's there if I'm talking on the phone with that person. Just uh, to be so careful on that, right? You've got to be on the same page. Um, I would say I don't think there's ever a good reason to ever be alone uh, with a friend of the opposite sex if you're married. Uh, never a good reason to be alone. Uh, don't give each other rides around town. Do not travel on business together. That is always bad news um, unless you absolutely have to, and even then, it might not be worth it. <laughs> um, you know, don't swing by the house uh, when no one's home. Don't have meetings in your office and close the door. Uh, it's just better, safe and sorry. Don't talk on the phone with them by yourself. Don't grab coffee. Just don't go there. It's not worth it. Um, if you're married, this is big. If you're married, I would say never confide. Never confide in somebody of the opposite sex, especially about your marriage. Don't go there. Um, and this is, this is a hard one because um, I think that the, the person in me who cares about people, um, I know that there's, there's opportunities for ministry all the time, right? Like we work with people, we have friends, neighbors, and they're in a rough spot and the doors just kind of open up and we get this opportunity to share with them and, and maybe minister to them and love on them in a way. Uh, but that's, that's kind of the, the ball, the snowball that begins to get rolling um, just yesterday, I was reading. Um, I was reading a great book, great book called uh, "Finishing Strong" by Steve Farrar that I read probably a decade ago, and uh, really, as far as all this is concerned, um, really shaped kind of my approach to life and marriage and ministry. Um, and Steve Farrar is talking about these 250 pastors who all had affairs within two years of each other, uh, which is uh, it's horrible. It's horrible that it happens that often. Um, but he's talked about in 80% of those relationships, uh, 80% of those affairs, it was a relationship with somebody they knew. They were in some kind of counseling relationship where they were confiding in one another, and one thing led to another, and eventually resulted in an inappropriate sexual relationship, over 80%. Um, so I wouldn't, even, I wouldn't even go there. And it just, you know, in some ways it just makes sense. I mean, the moment that you share something very personal and confide in somebody of the opposite sex who's not your husband or wife outside of marriage, you now share something very, like, meaningful, deep, special between you two that your spouse is not a part of. And uh, I just think that's the first step uh, to a really big fall. Um, and then lastly, I just say, you know, I realize, like, the specifics on this are going to be different. Like, this is really just my take, my opinion. You can feel free to disagree, agree. Um, but in your relationship, the most important thing is that you're on the same page, that you're on the same page. You're going to have different levels of what your spouse feels comfortable with. Uh, just make sure you're on the same page, make some boundaries, and stick to it. So that would be, that'd be what i say on that. All right, so next question. <clears throat> next question. This is a good one. Is it okay... To live together before you're married, uh, what if we're not having sex anymore? Is it okay to live together before you're married? What if we're not having sex anymore? Um, I was pretty pumped when I got this question because uh, it's a great question. And let me just say, let me just say, if, if you were living together with somebody and you were having sex and then you decided as a result of what God's doing in your life and in your relationship to step back and say you're not going to have sex, that is awesome. Like, can we just... Uh, applaud that as a church like that is amazing that is a huge step uh that is a huge step it deserves to be celebrated um it deserves to be i I want you to know that that step in honoring god that that's something that god is going to honor in return it's huge um so it deserves to be celebrated so i'd say that first 
Um, however, I would also say that there's definitely some concerns that I would have uh, with that, and so I just want to share those with you specifically about your situation, but also generally as it relates to just living together um, in general. Um, one, I would say, you know, in your specific situation, uh, it's probably going to add a significant amount of conflict uh, to your relationship. Because in many ways, in many ways you're acting like a family, right? Um, in many ways, uh, you're doing everything that a married couple does, uh, minus that, right? You're sharing a home, uh, you're paying bills together, uh, you're sleeping under the same roof, probably sleeping in the same bed. It's kind of weird if you're not, actually, <laughs> right? Because um, then you're kind of like roommates. It's great if you're not. Probably shouldn't, but you probably are. Um, you know, so you're living together, you're doing this, you're, you're going uh, to work, and, you know, you work your butt off, uh, and then you come home, and it's like your place of, of rest uh, is your home that you share together. You're doing life together like a married couple does, uh, and, yet, and then you're saying, but we're not going to engage in this, this intimate part of what it means to be married. Or we're going to do everything but that. Um, in a way, it's, it's unnatural, and it's going to be very difficult. And I would say it's going to be, definitely be very difficult for the guy. Because guys are, I mean, we're visual beings. If you haven't already noticed, we're sexual beings. Um, and honestly, I can't imagine living, in a, living under the same roof as my wife or any other gal for that matter. Under the same roof where we sleep, where we dress, where we undress, where we shower. Uh, and just be like, you know what, we're not going to go there. You know, um, it's going to add, I would say, probably a significant amount of conflict, additional conflict to what you're already experiencing. Even though you're honoring God by not having sex, uh, being in that situation, it's confusing. And for both of you, it's an emotionally confusing situation. Um, and what, what I think would inevitably happen, and maybe not, maybe not, but what I would, what I would guess what would happen is over time, as, as you're trying to honor God, but now adding stress and conflict to your relationship, uh, there's probably going to be, over time, build some resentment there. And maybe resentment for that other person, maybe resentment for your relationship, or maybe even worse, it, it builds resentment towards God. Because now, in being in this situation and desiring to honor Him uh, sexually, uh, you're depriving yourself and... and adding conflict to your relationship and making it much more difficult, I think, to have, like, a healthy relationship, living together, abstaining from sex, being like a married couple, only not being like a married couple. Um, it's, it's just an emotionally confusing situation. Um, secondly, I would say this. Um, there's no shared covenant relationship uh, between you, so you're not fully in, right? You're not fully... Uh, Committed. There's no clear mutual understanding of what my commitment is to you or what your commitment is to me. Um, so there's not this commitment, you know, for better, for worse, in sickness and in health, for richer, for poor, poorer, till death do us part. That's not the commitment. Um, it's, you're both kind of left to discern uh, when this relationship isn't worth it anymore, right? It's like at what point is some issue so troublesome, so bothersome uh, to call it quits and move on? Right? At what point do you just get to decide, well, you know what, you're not really what I want anymore, you're not really what I need anymore. Um, so in a way, it's kind of like you have one foot out the back door, um, which makes it really difficult, um, really difficult. And I was just reading this last week, um, you know, that statistically, uh, women who are in a cohabiting relationship are three times more likely to suffer with depression. Um, and I think maybe that's part of it, because they're in a relationship, and they desire so much to have that security and to have that commitment, but they don't have that commitment. That's not what it is. Um, so you're living like you're married without the commitment to this person that comes with marriage. You know, as one author puts it, uh, you're actually taking more than you're giving. Um, 
Thirdly, I'd say this. Statistically, statistically cohabitation leads to a much higher uh, rate of divorce, much higher risk in divorce than people who don't live together before they get married, which seems counterintuitive, right? Um, according to USA Today, uh, an article in USA Today, uh, in this decade, over two-thirds of people who get married live together first. It's like 66%. It's crazy. Way over half. So it's definitely the norm, right? So it makes sense why somebody would live together. It's what we see everywhere. Like two-thirds of relationships this decade, that's how it goes. That's how you do it. Um, I had one person explain it to me this way. They said, hey, it's like test driving a car, right? It's just like test driving a car. You would not not test drive a car and then buy a car. You want to make sure it runs. You want to make sure that's a good investment. You test drive the car, right? And in some ways, that makes sense. Except, except that a car is like the worst investment ever that you can make with your money. And every car breaks down eventually, and then you've got to replace it with a new one. So probably not the best metaphor to base your you know, very important decision on. Um, but statistically, you know, living together before you're married um, results in a much higher likelihood. In fact, almost every major body of research says this. I'm not talking about you know, Christian conservative wackos research group. You know, I mean, like every major body of research shows this exact same thing. And the, the, the rate um, is incredibly higher. It's crazy. It's as low, as low as a 33% increase, increased risk of divorce. As low as 30%, as high as 151% increased risk uh, in the likelihood of a divorce. Um, it's crazy. So even if you take Jesus out of the equation entirely, it's just not a good move. Um, it's just not a good move. I don't know that it's, it's worth the risk. Um, and lastly, lastly, I'd just say this. Lastly, um, I'd say, you know, dating is a very new phenomenon, um, as living together is without, without being married. Um, before, just in the last 75 years, dating is something that has developed, right? So when we read the scriptures uh, in the time of Jesus, in the time of the early church, uh, dating wasn't really on the map. Uh, living together, unmarried, really wasn't on the map unless you were in some adulterous relationship like the woman at the well in John 4. Um, it's just been over the last... Uh, 75 years. Uh, before that, um, even just in recent history, uh, the process of finding a spouse in, in heavily involved other people, right? Uh, families were very involved, and there was this clear move from non-commitment to commitment, right? From, from singlehood to marriage, from, okay, this is, we're kind of feeling this out. Eventually, we're going to get married to, I'm in, I'm committed to you, till death to us part. Uh, let's do this thing. Um, I just don't know, I just don't know honestly how you fully honor God and live together outside of marriage. Um, and that's, that's the biggest issue. I don't, I don't know how you live like a married couple together. You share life together like a married couple does uh, without intimately getting to share that together, um, without, without creating more frustration and more conflict and more confusion and somehow maintain a healthy relationship. And most importantly, I don't know how you sexually just continue to really to honor God and not go there. Um, Ephesians 5.3 says, uh, Among you there should not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity. Not even a hint. I just don't know how that's possible, uh, living together. Uh, you're already stronger than me uh, to live together and to choose to not have sex to honor God in that way. But I think if you really want to live a life above reproach, to honor God I, just, I think the right move is, is to move out and to do it right, um, which I know is probably not what you want to hear. 
And I know moving is a pain in the butt, and it's way more expensive for you not to live together. And it probably seems unnecessary because, for the most part, it's been working up until now. But if your ultimate desire is to honor God, I think, I think that's the right move. You know, because radical obedience opens yourself up to radical blessing. Radical obedience opens yourself up to radical blessing. Just as last week, I heard a story of a married, uh, they're married now. Um, before they were married, this couple, uh, and they were living together, and God just kind of started moving in their lives. Um, I don't know if they had ever even really thought about it pri- previous to that uh, time, um, but really felt like they needed to, to do it right, and they wanted to honor God. And so three, they were engaged, and three months before they got married, he actually moved out um, just to start the relationship off right and to err on the side of honoring God. And, and so my, you know, my question is, you think that God's going to honor that? You know, you think that God's not going to just pour out his blessing on the relationship? Like, just it's so symbolized putting God first. Um, I think so. You know, I think radical obedience opens us up to radical blessing. This couple is faithful with a little bit. They're open now for God to entrust them with more. So that would be my two cents on that. Uh, fourth, I'm guessing I am probably eating up a lot of time. I'm being kind of long-winded. I apologize for that. Yep, yep, this is going to be the last question. <laughs> uh, question, uh, this question is good. And uh, it is, uh, a gal wrote, she said, I've steered clear from church up until this point in my life uh, for fear of judgment based on my status of single mother. I'm curious to know, what is Mosaic's standpoint and God's standpoint on single parenting? What is Mosaic's standpoint and God's standpoint on single parenting? Uh, I'm so glad that someone had the courage to ask this question. Um, you know, a couple weeks ago I talked about uh, the gift of singlehood. And, um, you know, I talked about how this is, we need to lean into this season. This is a very unique season through which God accomplishes very specific things, uh, that you're in a unique position to be used by God before you have the responsibilities that come with marriage and having kids. And I realized afterwards that I totally missed, like, a whole group of people uh, that I know we have pretty strongly uh, represented at Mosaic, and that's of single parents. And I was talking about the, the gift of singlehood, and uh, I would venture to guess if you're a single parent, there's a lot of days where it doesn't feel very much uh, like a gift. Um, and we, I know we have a number of single parents, and, and I, I wanted to read, I asked if I could read an excerpt from an email that I received from a gal who's a part of Mosaic, um, and she sent me this a few weeks ago, just about uh, a little bit of her story and some of the unique challenges that came with being a single parent. Um, and I did ask for permission, by the way, so if you ever email me, you're not fair game up here, just so you know. I'm not going to use you as an illustration unless I ask most of the time. <laughs> and she said this. She said, uh, I was born and raised here at a local church in town, and I got pregnant when I was 22 and was not married. Between my mom and our pastor, uh, I was pressured in to get married before I felt ready. My husband was controlling, and he had bipolar disorder. And I got to the point where I just could not handle it anymore. I had to deal with things that most would never dream of. Uh, And I left him when my second child was only a week old. I tried to go to women's Bible studies, but the biggest problems that they had seemed to be things like, my son won't sleep in his bed, or my daughter won't study the Bible. Uh, But my problems were much more real and difficult. They were things like, how am I going to pay for daycare without child support? Or how can I explain to my kids that their dad only wants to see them when he has time? To say the least, we were on pretty different pages. 
and I did my best and tried to fit there, uh, but I always felt looked down on. Um, as, you know, as a father of two, uh, honestly, I cannot imagine having to carry the parental burden alone. Um, I don't pretend to know at all what that is like. And I cannot imagine what it would be like to try to fill the roles of mom and dad and to be provider, protector, nurturer, homemaker, soul discipliner. Um, I, I can't imagine how difficult that would be. And uh, single parents who are able to pull it off and to provide for their kids and their kids know that they're loved and to do that all alone, I think are unsung heroes. They're unsung heroes. Um, and honestly, if I'm really honest, uh, it sets me off. It ticks me off uh, that this group of people in, in particular would feel judged and alienated by the church, by Christians. Uh, that's completely unacceptable. That is not what being a follower of Christ is. Uh, and I want you to know that that is not representative of how God feels towards you. Uh, that is messed up. And I want to personally apologize for being associated with people who do such a bad job of representing Jesus Christ at times. And I'm guilty of that too. But I want to say I'm sorry. And I'm so, it so upsets me uh, that because of the way that you were treated, um, that you were perhaps driven further away from the God who loves you and who longs to embrace you and offer you grace and love and forgiveness and help and healing at the hands of people who were supposed to represent him and to be a part of helping you bridge that gap, not for, drive you further away. Um, our job is not to judge people. That's God's job. Right? It is not our job to make sure that people have to pay for their sin for the rest of their life. Uh, in fact, the message of the gospel is the opposite of that. Right? Romans 3, uh, 23 and 24 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Right? We are forgiven if we only turn to Christ. We are embraced with him with open arms. And the church is meant to be his open arms for those who desire his love and his forgiveness. Um, our call is to help people. To help people. To help them connect with the God who loves them so much. That is our heart. The church is meant to be a place where God's love and grace can be personally experienced. So our hope and our prayer, honestly, for you at Mosaic, um, is that this would be the type of place where if you want that, you can experience here. You know, if you want a tribe to be a part of helping you raise your family, to mentor your kids, to do life alongside one another, that this would be a place where that can begin to happen. That's, the, that's what the church is meant to be. That's, that's why we're here. And so, and, and here's the thing, and I want to say this too, is the thing is, we need you. We need you. It's not that you need us. It's that we need you. If we're going to be the church that God has called us to be, and if we're going to accomplish uh, in this city and the lives of other people um, what God has called us to, then, then we don't, we, you're not a second-class citizen. You're not a ministry project. We need you to step up and to be a part of it, right? You have something to contribute. We need your gifts and your passions and your God-given abilities. We need your heart. We need your talent. We need your creativity. Uh, we need you. You have a, an important role to play here. Um, and perhaps you've already noticed that, that, that basically what I'm saying right now is not just true of you. It's true of every single person here, right? Whether you are married, whether you're divorced, whether you are a single college student, uh, whether you're a single parent, uh, or somewhere in between, uh, it, this is true of every single one of us, right? We all stand on equal ground under God, 
We all have junk. We all have a past. We've all made mistakes. We all need God's grace. And that is where the gospel of Jesus Christ starts. With acknowledging our great need for God, his great love for us. We're all the same under God. Because as Warren Buffett puts it, and I love this quote, every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. Every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. Amen? That's the heartbeat of our church. If you're here this morning and, uh, and you've never committed your life to Christ uh, for whatever reason, you know, perhaps you've been waiting for the right time. Uh, perhaps this is something you've been wrestling with for a while and just processing and, and listening and trying to figure out whether this is something you really want to be a part of. Um, we want to offer you the opportunity to commit your life to Christ uh, this morning. You know, perhaps for you, you grew up in church and you've heard this a thousand times, but you have never owned it for yourself. You know, perhaps you grew up in a home, you were blessed to grow up in a home where your parents shared with you about Jesus Christ and what it meant to follow him. Um, but for whatever reason, it's just never been yours. Um, if that's you this morning, uh, we want to give you an opportunity to commit your life to Christ. It's the most important decision you'll ever make. Um, Romans uh, 10, 9 through 10 says this. It says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. If you're at a point where you know in your heart that this is it, that you're ready, that this is time, um, then as we all bow our heads now and close our eyes, I just want to encourage you to join me in praying this prayer. So if you would. It's a very simple prayer. I just encourage you to make it your own. It's, Dear God, I know that I need you. I confess my need for you. I want to give you my life. So God, take it. Do with it what you will. I am yours. Father God, I pray uh, for those in this room, for those tuning into the podcast. God, I pray for your continued work in their life. God, I pray for those who are in relationships, dating relationships, uh, who are struggling with what it means to honor you and perhaps asking some hard questions about where the lines are and whether or not we should be doing some of the things we're doing. And, and God, I just ask for your continued grace and work in their life, uh, that this would not be the type of thing that would be used to uh, beat one another down, uh, but it would be recognized as a very healthy conversation, a part of the process. God, that you would just continue to pursue them with your relentless grace to open up their heart for what you have for them and that, God, as they choose to honor you, even in making what might be very hard and difficult choices, God, that your blessing would just pour out on their relationship. Father God, I pray for the marriages represented in this room. God, I, I ask, Lord, that you would strengthen those marriages. I pray for those who uh, maybe unknowingly up until this point have been playing with fire, uh, with friendships. Uh, the opposite sex. And, and God, I just ask for discerning hearts. I ask for discerning hearts for both uh, people in the relationship, for uh, the families involved, and uh, that you would bring them on the same page. And God, that if there are very subtle things that are happening, that you would give them eyes to see that. And that you would give them the courage to take the necessary steps, Father, to protect their marriage, to protect their family at all costs, and to put you first uh, in all of it. Father God, I, ask, I pray for the singles 
Um, I pray for everybody who's a part of this church, Lord, that you would just continue to give us the courage to step forward in faithfulness and obedience, even when it is very difficult, and even when that involves doing things that are so contrary to everything we see modeled around us. Father God, we desire for you to be first and foremost. And uh, as we seek to honor you, God, we just ask that you would honor that, that you would continue to work in our lives, that you would grow us spiritually and give us courage to take steps in faith and obedience. Father God, we love you, and we pray these things in your name. Amen.